Hello and welcome to episode 682 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I am one of the co-founders here at ETR, as always joined by fellow co-founder Evan Silva. We are entering Fantasy Football Championship Week. A great time to be alive. Evan, how's it going? It's going all right. We got um, 20 teams still eligible to make the playoffs. Actually, I think it might be 24 teams still 24. eligible. Yeah, to make the playoffs. So a lot yet to be decided. I wonder if we get to week 18 and there are no teams resting. Um, but we'll, 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 get, to, we'll get there. We, we get a big week 17 slate and a big week, week 16 slate to, to talk about. Yeah, I mean, this is the NFL's dream, right? There's so much parody that literally almost the entire mm-hmm. league is still alive to make the playoffs heading into the final week. On today's show, we're going to go team by team through all 32 squads, talking about everything we saw in week 16 and what it means for week 17 and 18. Before we get into it here, two quick things. First, the 2024 golf season starts next week. If you're interested in playing DFS, our PGA product includes full fantasy projections powered by the most dominant golf bet over the last decade, Rufus Peabody. Head to the subscribe tab or the golf tab on establishtherun.com for more details there. Second, best ball playoff only stuff is heating up Big time. Our rankings for the playoff only contest on underdog will be up Wednesday night. This is a very, very beatable contest. There are so many teams that will be dead in it. Please be sure to read Herzig's strategy article on it. And then you can check out our rankings after that. If you do not have an account at underdog fantasy, use promo code ETR when you sign up for a matching deposit bonus up to $100. That's promo code ETR at underdogfantasy.com. All right, Evan, we got to start with what I thought was, you know, going into it, the game of the year. You know, to me, the best team in the NFL, the 49ers, against the either first or second best team in the AFC, the Ravens. I did not see this coming. I did not see a Brock Purdy complete and utter meltdown coming at home here. MVP stuff we can talk about is out the window almost for Purdy. He's down to plus 1,300. Meanwhile, as we talked about over the last couple of weeks, the winner of this game was going to be a huge favorite. And that looks like the case now. Lamar Jackson is minus 170 to be the MVP. How much, Evan, of a warning flag was the 49ers performance for you last night? And any thoughts on MVP? Well, I think that everything that could go wrong kind of did go wrong for San Francisco. They got lit up by Lamar Jackson between the numbers. Lamar Jackson lit him up on the ground. And then offensively, they lost Trent Williams to a groin injury. His backup, Jalen Moore, goes in. He suffers a concussion. And they lost Aaron Banks, their starting left guard, to a toe injury. And so, I mean, they you know that, that's the entire left side of their offensive line. And those are their, their best two offensive linemen, Trent Williams and Aaron Banks. Brock Purdy made some bad decisions. I think that they were outcoached, actually, in this game. The Ravens, it was almost like the Ravens knew what was coming. They won up front, and they won in the back. And, I mean, they were, they, you know, they were batting down passes. They got a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy. They made him feel uncomfortable. And not many teams have been able to do that this season, and it kind of unraveled for San Francisco. The Purdy haters are taking some serious victory laps today. And I get it. You know, I... I get it, but man, Brock Purdy has had an awesome season. Dudes and teams are allowed to have one bad game. In no way am I writing off the 49ers from winning the Super Bowl. They're going to need Trent Williams, though. And it it looked like he was on the sideline. It looked like he was in reasonable spirits. I'm hopeful he's able to come back. And they did come out of the game with their skill players intact. They get to play the Commanders this week, do the 49ers. So if you got 49ers stuff through to your championship, I mean... 49ers are going to drop 30 or 40 on the commanders. We'll get to the commanders in a, in a little bit here, but my God, this defense is atrocious. So I, you know, I'm not panicking whatsoever on the 49ers. My Purdy 22 to one MVP though is officially GG. Yeah. Um, I do think that we should keep, we're going to need to keep an eye on Brock Purdy this week because he has suffered a neck stinger now in back-to-back games. I think most signs right now point to him playing. Kyle Shanahan did not express that much concern over the injury, but this is now back-to-back games where he suffered the same injury. So 
Uh, that's definitely something we'll be monitoring throughout the week. Yeah, just to button up the MVP discussion, it's not. I don't think Lamar has even had that great a year. Like I, when Lamar won the MVP for the first time, I thought he played. He's had a better year that year than he has this year. But they have had an incredible year, and Lamar is a huge part of it. I'm not saying he's not deserving, but it's still to me not a closed case. Ravens play the Dolphins this week. Lamar again is minus 170. Tua is around 10 to one. If Tua can beat Lamar, you know it's going to get even more wide open there so craziest mvp race i can probably ever remember do you know what would happen if there were to be co-mvps like they receive the exact same amount of votes yeah i don't know i don't, don't know, know either <laughs> yeah why who do you think should be co I mean, just because there's so many dudes in the still in the race right now i yeah. mean i think i think that a, a sleeper actually is josh allen yeah. If the Bills went out, Josh Allen really has had an incredible year. I know he's, he has too many turnovers, but like from a lot of almost all advanced statistics, Josh Allen has been the best quarterback in the NFL, actually. And they've lost so much on defense and haven't gotten really, you know, consistent production out of their pass catchers. He's been the one consistent part of their offense. And, you know, he, he's what makes that engine go. And they've been red hot. And I think that they, they do have a chance to win out. Yeah, and they are, uh, Josh Allen is 13-1 to 1 to win MVP right now. We'll get more on the Bills here when we get to them. Second biggest story of the week comes from Cleveland, my lord. Joe Flacco goes wacko again, this time in Houston. And, you know, their run game is broken and Joe Flacco is playing well. Why not just lean into this pass rate over expectation, which has been insane since Joe Flacco took over 42 more attempts here. And Amari Cooper, I mean... 11 catches, 265 yards, two touchdowns, the 17th most yards ever in an NFL game. By the way, I had to look up the record just because I was curious. The record for most receiving yards in a game was set by Flipper Anderson. If you guys remember those old Rams 80s team, Flipper Anderson was awesome. 336 yards in 1989. But anyways, I mean, Cleveland right now is one of the teams to have in fantasy, but they have to play the Jets this week but anyways let's start here with Amari and Flacco's performance Evan I mean I like the spot for them we talked about it Sunday morning but no one could have seen this coming what do you think of Cleveland's latest Joe Flacco led victory this time in Houston just to go back to Flipper Anderson I think that was when I first became cognizant of fantasy football because my dad had Flipper Anderson on his fantasy team uh so that was incredible I, I think I was six at the time um yeah, so Joe Flacco threw four starts. Well, this was actually his best performance from a fantasy standpoint. He was the number two overall fantasy quarterback in week 16. He leads the NFL in passing yards on throws of 20-plus yards downfield since taking over as the Brown starter a month ago. Um, what, what, what I think is interesting, and Amari Cooper obviously was incredible in this game, you know, and I talked about it on Sunday morning. Chris Sims out here saying that the Browns, it's just not sustainable for the Browns to run a pass-heavy offense and let Joe Flacco. I mean, they, they were 3-0. Now they're 4-0 doing that. He had 42 more dropbacks in this game, and they can't run the ball. I mean, they've lost four offensive tackles for the season. They cannot run the ball. So, yeah, they're going to continue to throw it. They are crushing on play action, and Joe Flacco is throwing the ball downfield at the best clip in the league over the last four weeks. So I, I think it's going to maintain, but now the critical question for people in the fantasy, in the fantasy, in their fantasy championship games, can you play these guys against the jets on Thursday night? Yeah, I, I think you can, and you probably have to, I would have to see what else you had, but you know, jet stuff, they played, you know, some games and some teams that have been lied, laying down lately. Cleveland is obviously playing really well. I'm more optimistic that, Cleveland can move the ball against the Jets, then Jets can move the ball against Cleveland. But yeah, it could be a really ugly game there on Thursday night. Big revenge game for um, Flacco as yeah, well. But, by the way, Flacco is now the second favorite to, uh, or the second choice to be comeback player of the year behind Damar Hamlin. If I had a vote, it would still be Tua Tugavailoa, but I understand Flacco voters, you know? Um, but yeah, we'll see. That'll be a really interesting award down the stretch. Speaking of ugly, this Chiefs team and this Chiefs season, man, now they lose at home to the Raiders and AOC. And you know what? Like, 
the defense was fine. I mean, it's not like AOC or Devontae Adams or Jacoby really did anything. And honestly, Zamir White didn't really do much until the very, very end when he broke them. But it's the offense. And a home game against the Raiders, it's the offense. The best plays that the Chiefs had were Mahomes' runs. I mean, 4.2 yards per play for the Chiefs here, home against the Raiders. Really, really disappointing. I know we've been talking about this all year, Evan. It feels like panic levels on Chiefs' offense are at all-time highs. What do you think of their game? against the Raiders they have protection and receiver problems all over the place Travis Kelsey is not what he used to be he's got one touchdown over his last eight games Patrick Mahomes when pressured since week 13 his passer rating is zero when pressured I think he's kind of got the yips in the pocket he doesn't trust anything that's going on around him right now um, in in terms of his supporting cast and I, I don't I mean it's hard to see them recovering. Now they do get the Bengals yeah. this week. And we saw uh, what Mason Rudolph was able to do them due to them this past weekend. I mean, they, they might have the worst defense in the league at this point, but I, I'm not even sure that I think that a matchup like that can really get the chiefs back to, to where they have been historically offensively. Yeah. I, I got a best ball team through to the finals with Isaiah Pacheco. And um, I was like, man, let me get this team through. Cause Pacheco is going to shred the Bengals. This guy, twice in the same quarter, his helmet comes off. I mean, I, I don't get it. Buckle the chin strap. And then he gets hit in the head and he gets a concussion. And then he might be out. And by the way, Jerk McKinnon went to IR before this game. And so it was, it was shaping up to be an incredible spot for Isaiah Pacheco. If he can't get cleared, CEH is going to be an awesome play. And I know mm-hmm. everybody out there hates CEH, but CEH without McKinnon out there, is going to be a good play against the Bengals if Pacheco doesn't get cleared. So that's something to be aware of for anyone still alive. Fourth story of the week, the Minnesota Vikings. So Nick Mullins did throw four interceptions, but he also went for 422 passing yards. This Lions pass funnel is incredible. I mean, no one really even tries to run on them. Why would you when you can just shred their secondary? 422 Nick Mullins yards. And yeah, He had Justin Jefferson making some insane plays out there, but he also lost TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison, both left with injuries, have not seen status updates on them. But yeah, Evan, uh, disappointing loss, I think, for Minnesota. They could not stop the Lions on offense, but it's so good to see Justin Jefferson out there balling again, even though I know everybody who drafted Justin Jefferson this year is likely already dead. What do you think of vikings and how do you think they play going forward I, it's hard for me to see hawkinson and addison getting back so quickly yeah and kj osborne stepped up with a real nice game too um but nick mullins threw four picks in this game i think he should have had two more maybe um he also he fumbled twice yeah he fumbled twice um and now they're talking about like he might not start in week 17 against green bay and they might go to Jaron Hall, the rookie. So I, I don't know. It's gonna have to, it's gonna be a situation where we're just hoping to gather information as the week goes on regarding who their who their starting quarterback is gonna be, regarding Jordan Addison, regarding TJ Hawkinson, the right tackle Brian O'Neill, who missed this past week. Um yeah, and I mean they're they're still in the playoff race, though, I believe, right? Yeah. I mean, basically yeah, everyone so, is, yeah. Yeah, so it's hard for me to believe that they they would go to Jaron Hall. I, but but I also, I mean, just reading the the beat writers, the beat writers haven't been talking about Josh Dobbs. I don't know. I guess I would guess that it would be Nick Mullins, but we're gonna have to see. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, you know, people are worried about Alexander Madison. As expected, at least what we thought was gonna happen is that Madison would be active, but it wouldn't matter. And that's kind of what happened. Ty Chandler played thirty five snaps, Madison only five. Chandler got a touchdown, but did not get very many touches. The team as a whole only got 54 plays off. And a lot of that was due to the turnovers, of course, that Evan talked about. So yeah, but I still think that Chandler over Madison split is going to be pretty wide going forward. Fifth and final top story of the week comes from Jacksonville, where, I mean, Jacksonville laid an egg. They could not move the ball early against the Bucks. Then Trevor Lawrence hurts his throwing shoulder. And I get it, you know, he didn't have Christian Kirk. He didn't have Zay Jones, but still, man, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has been scary. And I also know he's been banged up. I mean, there's a lot of excuses here 
for Trevor Lawrence. The update on Tuesday on Trevor Lawrence was it's a shoulder sprain, and they don't know if he'll be able to play here in week 17. Jags are like crumbling, man. Any thoughts on them as we head to week 17 here? They're, they're just running out of guys. I mean, I, I think I, I've seen some pretty harsh criticism of Trevor Lawrence and he's been a little bit up and down really throughout his career, but he's dealing with a sprained right throwing shoulder right now, a high ankle sprain. He had a concussion in there. He's lost Christian Kirk, his safety valve, Zay Jones, if you think that matters, a bunch of offensive linemen. You know, I, I think it's I, I think it's been really, really difficult. And this team is just they, they've lost too much talent to be able to be competitive on, on a week-in and week-out basis, can't run the ball at all. Yeah. Travis Etienne is averaging 3.2 yards per carry and 74 total yards from scrimmage over the last 10 games. That's a long stretch to be sitting there at 3.2 yards per carry. I mean, he's he started out so hot. I, I thought for sure the rest of the way he was going to be the number two fantasy back behind Christian McCaffrey, but he's really petered out. Yeah, Dynasty Bros are in full-blown panic on Travis Etienne. This is why... In my opinion, the only way to build in Dynasty is through wide receiver. Like, it's so volatile. I mean, you know, and every year that Travis Etienne plays is just a year closer to the cliff. There's just no way that Travis Etienne or a player of his caliber at wide receiver would just be struggling so, so bad for so, so long. So, yeah, I mean, the Travis, I'm not panicked on Travis Etienne, but losing a year off a running back's career when he plays so bad is, is scary. All right. Let's go to... Uh, alphabetical conference now. We'll start with the NFC and start with the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals go to Chicago and predictably fail. The one that was frustrating for me on Arizona was Trey McBride, you know, needed him so badly. It wasn't a great spot, but they didn't have Marquise Brown. Six catches, 31 yards, zero touchdowns. It's just really hard for Arizona. You know, their offense is not explosive. They didn't have Hollywood Brown in this game. Michael Wilson is not it as the wide receiver one. And then the defense just can't stop anything. So it's a mess right now for Arizona, but that was as expected. Evan, any thoughts on the Cardinals loss in Chicago? Yeah, James Conner led them in rushing and receiving in this game. This was a slow game for Trey McBride, but I mean, he had eight targets. He had six catches. You know, he he did not have the big game that he has been having, but I mean, he was still like a, a tight end one. Yeah on the week and gets the Eagles upcoming. So, you know, if you made it through, like he's going to be an awesome play that, you know, the Eagles get torched by tight ends. Let's go to the Falcons. So Falcons go to Taylor Heineke again and win easily, which surprised me a little bit. And, you know, the Falcons actually threw it 33 times, even though they controlled the game, which surprised me also. I thought they'd have a much more run heavy attack. What didn't surprise me about the Falcons game is that when you get the ball to Bijan Robinson, good things happen. You know, he turned 12 carries into 72 yards. Of course, Algiers still got nine carries. CPAC got seven, but 10, 10 Bijan Robinson targets here turns that into 750-0. So, you know, you got to get the ball to Bijan if you're the Falcons, but I was encouraged at least that they went a little bit more pass heavy with Taylor Heineke. Evan, what you see out of Falcons win over the Colts? They did go a little bit pass heavier with Taylor Heineke. And I thought that he delivered. I mean, he did, you know, he he needs to be a game manager on this team. And he didn't make mistakes. And he delivered the ball to the open receivers. And they were able to pull out a pretty easy victory against a team, you know, a Colts team that was really never competitive in this game. So, and the Falcons remain very much in the mix to still win the division. Yeah. I, I was going to say that, you know, they're, they're alive, but they have two road games left at Bears, which is, no easy spot. And then at right. Saints, which is obviously a massive game, the Bucks are actually the overwhelming favorite right now in the betting markets to win the NFC South. They're game up. They have a bit of a softer schedule. But yeah, Falcons are still very, very much alive. Panthers. Panthers put up 30. 30. I mean, and I think this speaks to the Packers' defense. I mean, we, we've been working on some of the yards per play allowed stuff by trying to make it less noisy and strip out some stuff. And Packers are one of the worst defenses in the stuff that we're looking at. And they showed it here. They gave 30 points to Bryce Young. Had to be Bryce Young's best game of the year. Over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. What do you think of Bryce's, I guess I'll call it a breakout performance against the Packers? Yeah, he's played well in back-to-back -back games now. So coming down the stretch, 
the Panthers have something to potentially build on heading heading into next season. Now they're gonna probably you know they're gonna go re- replace all the coaches and everything. But I mean, at least Bryce Young has shown some promise over these last two games. I guess the Packers, he was 8.7 yards for pass attempt, two touchdowns, really good in the second half. Adam Thielen, who had been really quiet for about a four or five week stretch there, has started to come back on. Um, Chuba, Chuba, 17 touches, Miles Sanders, four. Thomas Brown continues to, you know, press the button on, on Chuba every single week. Oh, yeah. Bears. So I actually thought the best spot of Sunday's main slate was Justin Fields against Arizona. And he delivered, you know, it wasn't a massive, massive game, but it was a really good game. He runs for 97 yards and a touchdown. He threw for another touchdown. He also dealt with injuries to Cole Komet and DJ Moore left for a little bit also. And I mean, without those guys, it's really hard for Justin Fields to to succeed in the passing game. The other note I had, Evan, was no Foreman here. And they go back to to Khalil Herbert. 22 to 12 over Roshan Johnson in opportunities. What'd you think of bears relatively easy win over the Cardinals? Yeah, I screwed that up. I, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't like act like I knew who it was going to be, but I thought that the data points would, were suggesting that it would be Roshan against Arizona in the lead back role. I think probably what they did is just hot hand situation and they roll with clear Herbert. I mean, he started off well and they just kept going to him. 21 touches for Khalil Herbert and only 12 for Roshan Johnson. Um, DJ Moore got hurt early in the game, ankle injury, left for a little bit, came back, and he was essentially a decoy the rest of the way. I mean, they were not, you know, how they they really aggressively call pass plays for DJ Moore as the first three. That did not appear to be the case after he suffered that early injury. Yeah, I mean it was it was a solid fantasy performance, no no question from Justin Fields, and and that's that's been consistently happening since he came back from injury. Cowboys drop another one this time at Miami in a very close game, and I I know people don't care, man, but God, I was so tilted when Tony Pollard didn't get in. I mean, oh, I, I don't, I don't. It's not saying I could have gotten in, but I actually think there's like a 2% chance I could have gotten to the pylon. I mean, all he had to do was run to the pylon. And I don't think like there's a huge difference between, you know, running back four and running back 30 in the NFL or whatever, you know, but man, Tony Pollard, his 13 touches, 13 carries now inside the five yard line, only scored two touchdowns on them. It might be him, man. Like it might be him. Anyways, I had to get that off my chest. Evan, what'd you see? out of Dallas's loss in Miami? Well, I had some hope here for my 50-1 to Dak Prescott MVP ticket when he led that final drive to put the Cowboys up by one late in the game. But this Cowboys defense, which is, you know, it's just kind of not as good as its reputation, let the Dolphins go right down the field and and Jason Sanders kick an easy field goal for the victory. the Cowboys were without Tyron Smith in this game. That showed up. Zach Martin did play, but definitely not at 100%. Um, I thought it was interesting. There was no shadow situation at all on C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb lined up in the slot a ton and went, like, ballistic uh, in the first half. Wound up with 6-118, 6 for 118 and a touchdown on 10 targets. But the Dolphins have – like been pretty strict when Xavier, when Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey are healthy, those dudes are going to be on the outside and Kohu is going to be in the slot and CD Lamb was able to have his way with him. Do you think that there's any chance that, that Dak Prescott can, can get back into it? I mean, there's a huge game on Saturday night against Detroit. Would surprise me because at this point, like the Eagles are going to beat the Cardinals and they're going to beat the Giants. So, I mean, the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. So, you know, it's hard for me to see it on Dak. Yeah. Speaking of those Lions, I thought it was a good win for the Lions there in Minnesota. And, you know, Jared Goff actually got emotional. They asked him after the game. This was the first time the Lions had won the division since 1993. First division win for the Lions since 1993. I mean, that's absolutely insane. But good for Jared Goff. Good for Derek. Good for Dan Campbell. Notes I had on this game were Dave Montgomery was on his way to a big day. 
takes a big hit, looked like a hit to his head, leaves for a while, and then comes back. While Montgomery was out, Jameer Gibbs went nuts, which is going to happen anytime Dave Montgomery is out, and honestly, vice versa. But both of them could have had a huge game here. Evan, what'd you think? And by the way, Dave Montgomery, like, I don't, I don't think he's on the injury report. It's just a weird thing. He left for like two full quarters and then came back and got some carries at the end. But anyways, what'd you think of Lions win at Minnesota? Yeah, I got a little bit worried early in the game when Jameer Gibbs had like an 18-yard run, a sick run, and then he fumbled at the end of it because I was kind of on Jameer Gibbs this past week. And uh, But then David Montgomery wound up getting hurt, and you're right, Jameer Gibbs just went absolutely nuts. And he's been a true difference maker in fantasy since early in the season. You know, remember we were frustrated for like the first month, but I think the Lions played their cards right with him because he is – He's like one of the most explosive backs, and he might be the most explosive back in the league yeah. at this stage of the season. And now they got the Cowboys coming up, and we know the kind of problems that they've had against running games. I don't think that Jonathan Hankins is going to be back. It's it's another really good matchup for the Lions RBs. Jamison Williams has 13 targets now over the last two weeks. He had six in this one. Uh, has not yet had a – he had 447 last week. Four for forty-seven last week, and he had five for forty-three this week. I mean, I, I think that I think he's going to have a big game before the season ends. Yeah, Jamison Williams had not cracked a nine percent target share since the bye until week fifteen. Week fifteen, twenty-one percent. Week sixteen, fifteen percent. And by the way, one of some of the stuff we talked about on Friday and Sunday hit in a big way with Amon Ra. Like when you play the Vikings, they blitz so much, you have to get the ball out of your hand quickly to the slot, and Amon Ra did just that and went absolutely nuts. By the way, I was getting so tired of all the like the Purdy haters being like, oh, it's only the system. It's only the system. CMC is the MVP, buddy. And I love CMC. If you put Jameer Gibbs on the 49ers, they would have the exact same record, the exact same record. Like, I really believe that. So, you know, running back remains the most replaceable position. I think Christian McCaffrey is an outlier, but let's not pretend like, you know, you can just system away everything about, Brock Purdy season. Let's go to Green Bay. Green Bay wins a wild one in Carolina. You know, I didn't see a game, the game being this high scoring, but 33 to 30 Packers. Also, no Christian Watson, no Jaden Reed. Dontavian Wicks leaves and they still get it done. I thought Aaron Jones looked pretty healthy. And the other thing that I thought was Tucker Craft can play and they have two young tight ends that can play. Luke Musgrave has been hurt, but him and Tucker Craft can both really play. Evan, what do you think of Packers win down there in Carolina? Yeah, the Packers defense is bad yeah. right now too, which is kind of pushing their offense a little bit. Jordan loves after that one horrible game he's got um, against the, I think it was the Giants. Uh, he's got a couple of good games back to back. Aaron Jones finally looked healthy for the first time since maybe literally week one at 135 total yards here. AJ Dillon was not really a factor. Um, Jaden Reed was out with a toe slash chest injury. We'll have to see on him. Christian Watson never really seeming, seemingly had a chance to play in this one due to a knee injury. He was listed doubtful and obviously inactive. Uh, Luke Musgrave is eligible to return this week, so we'll have to see how they play it with him. But I, I would, even though Tucker Craft has been really sharp for them, I mean he was a great pick. These were they they hit on both of these tight end picks. I think. Yeah, um, I, my guess would be that Luke Musgrave would jump back out in front. Uh, massive game. The Sunday night NBC game this week is Packers at Vikings. Both are seven and eight. They need Jaden Reed back for this game because, like I just talked about with Amon Ra, like the way you beat this Vikings blitz is get these guys, get the body of your hand quickly to the slot, and they need Jaden Reed back. So we'll be watching his status for sure. Rams. This game feels like it was forever ago, but the Rams – continue to ball out on offense. I mean, Matthew Stafford, the kingmaker, has two kings now, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, both healthy, both playing really well. Like, if the Saints had more fight in that game on Thursday night, Stafford could have gone for 400 yards. I mean, easily, maybe 500. I mean, they could not do anything. Puka Nakua now has 1,367 receiving yards, only needs, I think it's 129 more to break Jamar Chase's modern era record we can talk about the offensive rookie of the year debate here in a second but evan i mean stafford puka cup kyron has been like the key 
to the fantasy season slash playoffs. What do you think of Rams' latest outburst this time against the Saints? Yeah, for the majority of the season, Matthew Stafford was like playing well, but not really producing in the box score as much as you might like. But that has changed since he missed week 11. The Rams are five and one. And Matthew Stafford over his last five games, 69% completion rate, 1,388 yards, eight yards per pass attempt, 14 touchdowns, one interception over his last five starts has only taken six sacks over those last five starts. So he's getting good protection, getting the ball out quickly to these dudes that are just awesome route runners. Cooper Cup is, is good to go. Puka Nakua has 501 more receiving yards than any other rookie this season. Had uh, Against the Saints, he had 11 touches, 180 yards from scrimmage in a touchdown. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's very much like – it's going to come down to what C.J. Stroud does over the, the final two games because – and I saw your tweet today – I don't know if I would vote for CJ Stroud right now, but if he has a quality finish over the two last two games, and he has to get clear from concussion protocol, then I think that he deserves it. If not, it's got to go to Puka. Yeah. And in any other year, I think it's Puka. I just think Stroud was so outstanding on a bad team. I mean, let's be honest without CJ Stroud, this team is, this Texans team is awful, awful. So I still think it's Stroud, but yeah, he has to come back and, and play well. And, Puka's deserving as well. That would be one where, like, if it was co-MVP, a co-offensive rookie of the year, I could get on board with that also. Um, by the way, small note here, but I think an important one for DFS. Tutu Atwell was, in, was back for this game, but he only ran two routes. Demarcus Robinson stuck in that third wide receiver role and ran 33 routes, and he continues to play really well. I think he's going to stay ahead of Tutu Atwell and... I'm like open to playing this guy because they only run 11 personnel and they only run the same three wide receivers on every play. And right now it's Demarcus Robinson. Let's go to Saints on the other side of that game. So, you know, they made a late charge to make the final score look close, but this game was not close. It was 27-7 Rams after three quarters. Best thing I saw from the Saints was Chris Olave back from injury and just balling out. I mean, even with Derek Carr, who I don't think is the best fit for Chris Olave. He was awesome in this game. He now has 81 catches, over 1,000 yards, and four touchdowns on the year. So Chris Olave is just a very, very, very good NFL wide receiver. But disappointing loss here for the Saints. Evan, they are now not out of it, but behind in the race for the NFC South. What do you think of Saints' loss to the Rams? Yeah, and the other note that I had in this game was that Rashid Shahid, back to full strength, back balling, five for 70 and a touchdown. He... Um, now has five receptions of 40-plus air yards. That's the most in the NFL. And this guy's like a part-time receiver who has missed time. You know, I, they, I know that they value him so much as a kickoff and punt returner, but it would be awesome to see him in a, in a full-time receiver role because, I mean, yeah. he, he can run. Big time. So the Giants go to Philly. Tommy DeVito predictably can't do anything. They bench Tommy DeVito at halftime. And they get in the game with like some crazy plays. I mean, Boston Scott on that kickoff return fumble, I don't know what he's doing. Dallas Goddard kind of slips and falls down. Hurts throws a pick six. Tyrod Taylor comes in, throws a late bomb to Darius Slayton. But it was all kind of fluky stuff. You know, I mean, the Giants are really, really bad right now. So it's a mess, an ugly mess for the Giants. Any thoughts on their latest loss this time in Philly? Uh, Saquon Barkley got back into like the, the extreme volume workload role, uh, but they are not playing him as much on passing downs yeah. lately, which I think is, you know, interesting. I mean, he only, well, he, he had six targets in this game, but he had three catches for four yards, uh, but 23 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown. Who do you think that they're going to play in week 17 at quarterback? Do you think they're going to play Tyrod against the Rams? Probably. Probably. Yeah. And they're officially eliminated. See, to me, it, it makes more sense on paper yeah. to play Tommy DeVito to see if, oh, you know, maybe, maybe give him the final two starts. Can he be our backup of the future? But, I mean, I don't even know if he's the, the backup of the future. Oh, it's pretty clear to me that he's not. But, you know, it was fun for a while with the, you know, Tommy Fajule or whatever they want to say. Uh, you know, <laughs> who knows? Eagles. So Eagles were on a three-game losing streak. They – Certainly did not win in convincing fashion. I just mentioned some of the mistakes that they have. The good thing was that in the second half, A.J. Brown, DeAndre Swift really got it cooking 
I mean, really got it cooking. The Eagles are now a game clear of the Cowboys. And again, I mentioned their schedule, home against Arizona. I'm not sure if it's home, but against Arizona and then on the road against the Giants. So they finish with two of the easiest spots that you can possibly find. And this is kind of what we were pointing to for the fantasy playoffs. If you can get to the Eagles, this stretch of their schedule where they play Giants, Arizona, Giants, you're set up really well. Hertz had the big game. Everybody looked really good, including DeAndre Swift, who really ran well to ice the game. But yeah, Evan, any Eagles thoughts here after their win over the Giants? Yeah, I've been worrying for the uh, past couple of weeks that DeAndre Swift might be hitting something of a wall. I mean, he's never had a workload like this in the NFL, but this was a reassuring performance that he still got enough left in the tank, 20 carries for 92 yards and a touchdown. Um, I, I don't have the stats in front of me. I would like to see how many times he's been tackled inside the five, though, yeah. because it seems like it happens every week, sometimes multiple times per week. And that has contributed to Jalen Hurts breaking Cam Newton's all-time rushing record for a quarterback. He's Jalen Hurts up to 15 rushing touchdowns. Jalen Hurts has not had nearly as good of a season as he as he did last year, but has still been awesome in fantasy because of that. And and of course because he you know he's got two big-time playmaking wideouts and Dallas Goddard getting him going. I mean, they're still super dangerous. They're one game up, a full game up now in the NFC East and. Like you said, they, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to clinch. They get Arizona this week. They, they, should, they should put up 35. Yeah, Eagles are still very live to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, very, very live to go to the Super Bowl. I do think the 49ers are significantly better, but it doesn't mean the Eagles can't beat them in an NFC Championship game type situation. Seahawks. So Geno gets back for this game, and they get a big win, a close win, but a big win at Tennessee. The note here that I had was I, I was kind of, trying to figure out like what the Walker versus Sharp split, Zach Charbonnet split would be here. It was really wide in week 15. And it was again, really wide here. Last two weeks, Kenneth Walker, 40 opportunities, Zach Charbonnet, just nine. Um, not like Walker had a great game here or anything, but they continue to just ride him over Charbonnet. But I thought Gino was fine in his return. Evan, what'd you think of Seahawks win at Tennessee? Yeah, it was kind of another boom busty game for Kenneth Walker, who had a big 24 yard run and then had 30 yards on his other 15 carries. I think that they just prefer, you know, the one A back scenario when when their dudes are healthy, because I think that they're you know they're kind of an older school coaching staff and um, they believe in like you know letting a running back get into a rhythm. We saw Kenneth Walker get into a big time rhythm in week 15, but he never found that against Tennessee was disappointing to me because the Titans were without like half of their defense. Uh, But this game started off really slowly and then kind of, I don't want to say exploded in the second half, but their passing game got going in the second half and Gino finished up strong. Let's go to the Tampa Bay Bucks. So, Man, I had some futures on Falcons to win the division, and then late I got in on the Saints a little bit, and now it's the Bucks that are the big favorite to win the NFC South after they beat up on the Jaguars. We talk about it every week. You know, it's very predictable what's going to happen in fantasy for the Bucks. Rashad White has an awesome role. Mike Evans is having one of the best seasons of his career with Baker Mayfield at age 31. And Chris Godwin's come on a little bit lately, but it's still the Mike Evans show. Evan, what do you think of Bucks win? over the Jaguars here. Bucks are now pretty sizable favorites to win the NFC South. Yeah, a decisive victory for Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield over his last four games, the Bucks are 4-0. He's got 10 touchdowns and one interception and is averaging over 250 passing yards per game. So he's been like somewhat of a fantasy asset this year, more of like a high-end QB2, but you know, definitely a guy that you can play in the right matchups. Rashad White, 26 more touches against the Jaguars. Mike Evans, just born to score touchdowns. Two more TDs in week 16. And he gets to face the Saints this week without Marshawn Lattimore, who has been the kryptonite for Mike Evans throughout his career. Yeah, yeah, really big game, obviously. The reason that the Bucs are favored by so much to win the NFC South is they get to play the Panthers in week 18, whereas the Saints and the Falcons have more difficult games last nfc team here is the washington football team and i mean 
Sam Howell could not be down bad worse. Not because he had a bad game against the Jets, you know, whatever. Like a lot of quarterbacks have bad games against the Jets. It's because for the second consecutive week, Howell got benched and Jacoby Brissett came in and looked awesome. And at this point, it's kind of hard to see the commanders going back to Sam Howell next season. Maybe they get Drake May. Who knows what happens or whatever. But yeah, it's just not good for Sack Howell, Sam Howell right now. Evan, what do you think of commanders? loss to the Jets. Yeah, I mean, that's the big story is that in the same offense, Jacoby Brissett just comes in and bombs away right away. Um, The other big story is that the running back room is extremely banged up right now. Brian Robinson hasn't played in a couple weeks due to a hamstring injury. Chris Rodriguez exited the locker room with a right boot on his foot, a boot on his right foot. Um, and then Jonathan Williams is dealing with a concussion. So it's like Antonio Gibson and not a whole lot else right now. We'll have to follow that situation throughout the week. Chris Rodriguez ran pretty well in this game, 10 for 58 and two TDs. Yeah. Gibson nine for 30 and a touchdown. They were playing Rodriguez like in situations where I thought they wouldn't, you know, kind of pass down stuff and hurry up stuff. I, I was surprised if he's out, though. Obviously, Antonio Gibson's going to have to play a ton. It is a difficult matchup against San Francisco coming up here for the Commanders. All right, let's go to the AFC now with the Baltimore Ravens. And one of the most impressive wins of the year, if not the most impressive win of the year for the Ravens across the country, Christmas night, massive game in San Francisco as a six and a half point dog. And it wasn't even close. Um, 49ers obviously made a ton of mistakes. I think if they played again, it would be much, much, much closer. But you can't deny that the Ravens were wildly impressive, particularly on defense. And then Lamar making some plays and Zay Flowers, I thought was really good too. Evan, what do you think of Ravens win out there in San Francisco last night? Yeah. Zay looked great. I thought Um, they got contributions from so many dudes. Gus Edwards had a big 39 yard reception, which is not really something that's usually in his bag. I thought Isaiah likely, he only went three for 56, but he looked great with the ball in his hands. Um, Obviously Lamar, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that this was the biggest win of the entire season uh, and, you know, catapulted Lamar into now being the M- M- the MVP favorite. And, and I, I think deservedly so. Yeah, I mean, Zay is so much better than Bateman and Odell and all these guys. You know, I, I, they haven't featured him in every game and it's been some short area stuff. But if they're going to win the Super Bowl, it's got to be a lot of Zay making big plays. I think Aguilar made a play for them too, or at least a couple of plays, you know. Yep. Aguilar has got to be like, one of the best fourth wide receivers in the NFL bills. So I know the bills won this game on Saturday night against the chargers. I was surprised how much they struggled. I mean, everything on the line, but they needed a final minute drive and a field goal to win the game. Um, Gabe Davis in these clean matchups and Eagles are a clean matchup for Gabe Davis. Chargers are a clean matchup for Gabe Davis. He continues to produce in these clean matchups on the other side. This is the second straight year that Steph Diggs has struggled down the stretch. Steph Diggs mm-hmm. is under 90 yards in nine straight games now. And also late last year, he was under 92 yards in five of the final six. And then remember that playoff loss to the Bengals last year, he only had 34 yards in that game. So it strikes me as mere noise, much like the Derrick Henry, D. Hember nonsense. But I don't know, man. This is back-to-back years where Diggs has struggled down the stretch. Curious if you have any thoughts there, Evan, and what do you think of Bill's narrow win against the Chargers? Yeah, it was – they did not – and they kind of do this. They're kind of like a topsy-turvy team who, you know, will, some, will sometimes play down to their competition. With Stefan Diggs, I mean, he sees a lot of coverage. And he and it's also during a time period where the Bills' pass catchers are at full strength. You know, they've got James Cook rolling. James Cook had a disappointing game in this one. No catches for whatever reason. He had been utilized so heavily in the passing game – since Joe Brady had taken over. So that was very disappointing. But James Cook, Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir has a big role. Dawson Knox is back. Dalton Kincaid, who, by the way, he has, like, disappeared over the past two weeks with Dawson Knox, Dawson Knox back. But yeah. when they're at full strength and defenses are showing a lot of coverage to Stephon Diggs, it's just it's going to be difficult. Josh Allen can run it. He can throw to the other guys. Gabe Davis, who just – Hitch and go routed the Chargers to death in this game. Um, 
came in with like zero catches in three of his previous four. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. In the clean matchups, like against the Eagles and the Chargers, he, he is absolutely destroyed. Um, Josh Allen threw it 21 times in this game. You know, it's so like I'm not previous, gonna panic. And, and in the previous game, he only had seven completions. Right. You know, and, and they've gone to some extreme run heavy stuff here on the Kincaid thing. It was maybe I underrepresented how much or underreacted how much Dawson Knox coming back would hurt Don Kincaid. Like I still think Don Kincaid can have big games, but with Dawson Knox back there now, it's clearly way less likely. Yeah, Don Kincaid has one catch over the last two weeks. Yeah. Bengals. So this was a Saturday game. Uh also Jake Browning goes to Pittsburgh and got exposed, you know, and they didn't have Jamar Chase and Jake Browning without Jamar Chase at Pittsburgh, a tough place to play. It's not going to be pretty. Jake Browning did salvage the fantasy day with an 80 yard touchdown to T Higgins. But yeah, really difficult spot here for Jake Browning without Jamar Chase. And he failed. Evan, what'd you think of Bengals lost the Steelers? Yeah, I think that Jake Browning is probably the classic case of the quarterback, that, the backup quarterback that comes in, plays well for a short period of time. And then gets exposed. The defensive quarters get more tape on them. They find a couple of weaknesses and they just keep pressing that button. And, you know, the bottom kind of falls out. And, and, and the bottom fell out in this one in large part because TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith just dominated the Bengals offensive tackles. The Bengals offensive line has been a problem for like literally forever. It feels like, you know, like 10 years. Um, and it, it's it's still a problem today. And, and that was exposed by Pittsburgh. Uh, for my dynasty friends out there, uh, T. Higgins is gone. And I've been thinking about, you know, Joe Burr's coming back. Who's the best? What are they going to do at wide receiver opposite Jamar Chase? This kid, Andre Iasovis, feels like he's, he's super athletic, feels like they like him. I thought he looked okay in this game. If I was in a dynasty league, I would make sure that this guy – uh, is owned because again, T. Higgins is almost certainly gone from the Bengals. I love that call. They call him Yoshi in the locker room, <laughs> um, and he's a freak athlete. Um, at, you saw it actually on a play in this game where he went up and got. I think he the 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 reception was a ruled not a reception, but he went up and just snatched a ball out of the air. Like I, I'm with you. I think that that's a great. He's a he's an excellent dynasty stash. Bengal, I mean, it's going to be bad for Jake Browning down the stretch. They play at Chiefs versus Browns. I mean, it doesn't get much tougher than that, and Jake Browning will almost certainly fail uh, in those spots. By the way, in my matchup column for this one, I wrote that I had a little bit of concern about T. Higgins, that he might get shadowed by Jory Porter, and he was shadowed by Jory Porter on 32 of 40 routes. But on this one particular play, the Steelers were in a zone look. Joey Porter passed T. Higgins off. And and Browning hit him and T. Higgins 80 yards to the crib. So, you know, just another reminder that the cornerback wide receiver, like Joey Porter can have an awesome game, which he did have an awesome game, but T. Higgins wound up getting there and then some. Um, and, you know, despite the cornerback wide receiver matchup. Yeah, great point. Denver, absolutely awful, humiliating loss for the Broncos. Sunday night football, Christmas Eve, home game. Broncos are mega live for the playoffs. And they lose to Bailey Zappi and the Patriots. I mean, I was actually thinking like maybe I would take my kid to a playoff game. He really wants to go to a Broncos game. I have no desire to go to an NFL game, but he really wants to go. And now they're like dead. I mean, you can't lose to Bailey Zappi at home. Evan, what'd you think of Broncos loss to the Patriots there? What was that Saturday night or Sunday night? Sunday night. Yeah. Speaking of going to NFL games, I was thinking at the end, like toward the end of that San Francisco game, you know, the, the 49ers got spanked and the San Francisco fans are notorious for fighting. Like, I would not want to be in a Ravens uniform in that environment. My God. I mean, I, I hope everybody's OK. <laughs> yeah, the Broncos with this loss, their playoff probability dropped to 5 percent. They don't belong in the playoffs anyways. Cortland, suffer Cortland Sutton suffered a concussion. Yeah. Those are the notes that I had. That, that hurt them, man, because when Corlin Sutton went out, I mean, Jerry Judy stinks, and they have no trust in Marvin Mims. So, I mean, Corlin Sutton going out was actually a big injury for them. Texans. I mean, Browns have what I think is the best defense in the entire NFL. 
and Case Keenum is out there without Tank Dell, without Nico Collins, less than 100%. I mean, they were just dead. I mean, just just stone cold dead to have a good offensive game here. Good news for the Texans is CJ Stroud is expected back this week, home game against the Titans. Any takeaways for you, though, Evan, from the final, hopefully the final Case Keenum start of the season? No, I mean, we're just hoping that Stroud comes back. It was nice. Damian Pierce has had a rough season. It was nice to see him get involved with a 98-yard kickoff return touchdown. Dalton Schultz looks 100%, and hopefully Stroud will come back and revive Nico Collins. It's a good matchup upcoming against the Titans secondary. Uh, I mean, I think he will, you know, and like CJ Stroud's been elevating the talent around him all year. Uh, I'm interested in that for DFS if Stroud comes back, like Stroud stuff against the Titans. We'll talk more about that on Friday. Colts. Really disappointing loss for the Colts. They go to Atlanta for a big game for them, and they just weren't in it, you know? I mean, now they're playing without Michael Pittman, and Michael Pittman is so valuable to this offense. Everything they do in the past game has been through Michael Pittman. So him not being able to play here was really hard for them, and JT just could not get any efficiency going once again. I mean, JT, even when he's been healthy this year, has not had that great of a year. Again, really disappointing loss for the Colts to the Falcons, Evan, what'd you see out of them? Yeah, no Zach Moss. I thought like Jonathan Taylor started real well. He scored an early touchdown. He was looking good. And then just the rest of the way, you're right. They could, you know, the Falcons have been really good in run defense all year. So, and the 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 Colts have been really good in run blocking, but the Falcons won at the line of scrimmage and that hurt JT. A lot of tight end stuff in this game. Kylan Granson led the Colts in receiving. Will Mallory has had a couple of good games. He's a a little bit of an interesting dynasty prospect if they could ever settle on playing just one or two tight ends. You know, they play like four. But, I mean, he's a, he's a guy that definitely should be rostered, I think, in the deeper dynasty leagues, Will Mallory. Uh, Colts can still win this division. It's a bit uphill, but they can win the division. They have a home game against the Raiders, which is well, against the Raiders next year, and then a home game against the Texans. So Colts can still win the division. Uh, they have two home games, and, yeah, they need Michael Pittman back, I think, badly. Raiders, man, what a win for the Raiders. You got to give Antonio Pierce a ton of credit. I mean, this team was a total joke with Josh McDaniels. And they immediately, once Antonio Pierce gets in there, they start playing with more heart. They start playing together more. And by the way, no Josh Jacobs. AOC is the quarterback. And they go to Arrowhead and win a game the Chiefs really needed. I mean, incredibly impressive win for the Raiders here. Evan, what do you think of Antonio Pierce's latest conquest? Yeah, and they didn't have Josh Jacobs or Michael Mayer yeah. in this game. And Colton Miller's out there just gutting it out, their stud left tackle. Um, Jacobs, it seemed like he was going to play yeah. for most of the week. But then he popped up with, in addition to his quad injury and, and illness. So I wonder if he was sick. Um, none of the pass catchers did anything. You know, Aiden O'Connell, when Aiden O'Connell throws for 62 yards, no one's going to do anything. Um Ladarius Sneed of the Chiefs shadowed Devontae Adams, and he's been shadowing quite a bit, and he's like becoming like a little bit of a shutdown corner. Again, yeah. we don't want to overemphasize the the fantasy impact of of cornerback wide receiver matchups, but just something to keep in mind when your wide receivers are going up against the Chiefs. Yeah, two defensive touchdowns in like a seven-second span for the Raiders was the key to them winning this game. Zamir White, you know, this is what I like. We talk about with replaceability at running back. I don't think Zamir White's good. I, I don't no, think Zamir don't. White is like any kind of stud. But he gets out there against the Chiefs and runs for 140 yards. That would never, ever happen at the wide receiver position. I don't want to say never ever, but it's way less likely to happen mm-hmm. at the wide receiver position where some geek off the street goes for 140 against the Chiefs. You know, it's just yeah. Yeah, they. Um, I, I watched uh, Antonio Pierce's post game um, uh, speech. And they call him Zeus in the locker room, Zamir White. He, I mean, he he runs with a with abandon. I mean, he runs really hard, but man, he gets caught from behind every single time. He's just a classic sort of early down grinder, I would say. He didn't even have a catch in this game. Yeah. Uh Raiders aren't dead yet. They play at Colts versus Broncos to finish their season. And obviously the players want Antonio Pierce back. Um and if he went, I mean, he might have earned it yesterday to come back, but uh, I think he has. They're four and three under him. Yeah. With Aiden O'Connell at quarterback and a bunch of injuries. Yeah. Uh, Rosenthal, who's 
Greg Rosenthal, our, our old boss at Roto World, who's really good with the playoff machinations and, and probabilities. He's he he tweeted today that if the Raiders win out, and again they're playing the Colts and the Broncos, they're they're going to get into the playoffs in all likelihood. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean Antonio Pierce certainly deserves it, no matter what happens. I think um, Chargers. As I mentioned, Chargers really hung in against the Bills with Easton Stick at quarterback. No Keenan Allen, obviously no big Mike Williams. Austin Eckler, shell of himself. Quentin Johnston continues to fail on massive opportunity, but somehow they stuck in this game for a long, long time against the Bills. It's just hard. You know, I like Josh Palmer. I, I think Gerald Everett's fine. Eckler's clearly playing hurt. It's just hard for me to find fantasy plays here, but they continue to play out the string. Evan, what do you think of chargers narrow loss to the bills just that now that they're officially eliminated there's really no reason for keenan allen to come back um so i don't i I wouldn't expect to see him over the final two games josh palmer's let him in receiving in back-to-back weeks um easton stick got it going as a runner a little bit in this one and i was hoping that you know I, i don't really have any takeaways other than to complain about my prop bets that i lost in week 15 and then now he goes over the prop in week yeah. 16. Yeah. We call that flop lag. Uh, <laughs> okay. flop lag. Um, yeah. And with them eliminated from the playoffs, like I, Eckler is like, you know, a warrior and a team guy and such a good dude. I bet he plays out the string. But if I was him, I'd be like, screw you guys. You guys didn't want to give me money. And now we're out of the playoffs. And you want me to go out there for 40 more touches when I could get hurt. And I'm, you know, I need to make money next year. Like, yeah, if I was Austin Eckler, I'd be like, nah, man, like, that's not it. Dolphins. Good win for the Dolphins. They get a last second field goal to beat the Cowboys. Dolphins move to 11 and four. Very early in this game, Tyreek Hill had what should have been a 95 yard touchdown hit him in the hands. It wasn't like the easiest catch in the world, but for Tyreek Hill, it was a pretty routine catch. He would have taken for 95 yards and he still finished with 999 zero. Guy is just such a freak. Anyways, the Jalen Waddle thing is brutal for me. Both of my teams that got through in best ball have Jalen Waddle. Looks like a high ankle sprain for him. The other note that I had was Raheem Mostert went down for a bit in this game. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. Let's get some Devon Achan. But it was Jeff Wilson. And it just didn't seem like they want to extend Devon Achan beyond this limited um, special package role that they've had him in. So yeah, tough there on the Achan stuff. Evan, what do you think of Dolphins win over the Cowboys? You know, the Dolphins have been one of the most fun teams in the league throughout the season, and I'm just worried about them from a health standpoint. Jalen Waddle, high ankle sprain. Tyree Kill, you know, still balling through his own high ankle sprain. Robbie Chosen was ruled out in this game the off- uh, due to a concussion. The offensive line has taken so many hits due to injury. A-Chan, I don't think, seemed fully healthy. Uh, didn't have a gain longer than nine yards, which is very rare for him. And Raheem Mostert, although we got banged up early, I mean, McDaniel was, I don't know exactly what his injury was, but McDaniel was talking about how they had to limit him in the second half and protect him from himself because he was in a lot of pain. He wanted to be out there, but I don't know. They just have so many injuries right now. And I wonder if that's going to catch up to him. They have a massive game against Baltimore. Yeah. This week. Yeah. And it's obviously the Dolphins are 11 and four. Ravens are 12 and three. They're both angling for the bye. Dolphins really need the bye to get healthy. I mean, really could use the bye to get healthy. Patriots. You know, Bailey Zappi has these moments where he can actually look good. I mean, not prolonged moments, but moments where he can. And this was one of those moments. He had some really good plays against the Broncos. They go in there to Denver and win the game. And Zeke, Zeke looking better then Pollard on the same day is like too much for me to handle. Like I, I just, I, I can't take it, you know, I'm cause Zeke like hurtling guys and getting into the end zone while Tony Pollard looks like total dust out there. It's like too much for my stomach to take. So that was painful. Evan, what do you think of Patriots win out there in Denver? Zappy loves throwing to Zeke. Zappy on the season has thrown 31 passes to Ezekiel Elliott Next closest are Devontae Parker and Pop Douglas at 21. So Belly Zappi has thrown 10 more passes to Ezekiel Elliott than any other Patriot. And Zappi has been, I mean, he's been getting completions over his last three starts. And this is against three solid defenses, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and Denver. 73% completion rate, 
676 yards, 7.4 yards per pass attempt, six touchdowns, two interceptions. Now he's got Buffalo, a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde defense due to all their all their injuries. Um, but, I mean, Billy Zappi, I mean, he's definitely played better than Mac Jones. And in this one, he played without Hunter Henry, who was inactive due to a knee injury. Go to the Jets. Trevor Simeon gets the nod here. And my Lord, Trevor Simeon unlocked Brees Hall or the Washington defense unlocked Brees Hall. It doesn't matter. Brees is just absolutely insane. Brees now has 65 catches in 15 games, despite being part-time for a lot of the year and despite playing with Zach Wilson, Trevor Simeon for most of the year. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers comes back next year, and I assume he will, Brees Hall is probably going to be a top five fantasy pick. I mean, the way he catches the football and how explosive he is as a runner, I mean, Brees Hall is really something. Of course, when you play the Commanders, Evan, everybody looks like something. This Them and the Bengals, the Commanders and the Bengals, and the Lions pass defense are like three of the best spots to face right now. What do you think of Brees and the Jets going off against the Commies? 32 touches, 77% of the snaps for Brees Hall, both season and I believe career highs. He gets 16 targets from Trevor Simeon, 33% target share. That is just wild. And then um, this week on Thursday night, it's going to be Simeon again. And Brees Hall uh, and and the uh, the Browns have given up a ton of receptions to RBs. I know that you expressed concern about the matchup. It's a brutal matchup. You know, they might, the Jets, ah, it, it could be a really low scoring game. The the total is like um, 38. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's one thing you can hang your hat on is that Brees Hall is is so heavily utilized in the passing game, particularly by Trevor Simeon, and the Browns have given up the seventh most, most receptions to running backs. Yeah, I mean, every team I have left, season-long best ball, they all have Brees Hall, and it's like, God, I got here, and now they play Thursday night, short week in Cleveland. I'm sure the weather's not going to be great. You know, it doesn't feel great. It just I don't feel like they're going to get a lot of first downs, but... Yeah, me either. But maybe we can get, like... Six catches out of Brees, and maybe that'll be enough. Steelers. Mason Rudolph draws the start here. I mean, like on that first slant to Pickens, it was just a simple slant. I don't know how that went for an 86-yard touchdown, but it did. And then Mason Rudolph kind of settled in from there and was fine. Pickens finishes with a career game for 195-2. But I don't want to make some like grand takeaways from Mason Rudolph and George Pickens because it was against the Bengals. I mean, this defense is just egregious. Sounds like they're going to go back to Mason Rudolph this week, even if Kenny Pickett or whoever else can play. Evan, what do you think of Rudolph and Pickens going off on Saturday? Yeah, it was kind of like Mason Rudolph back at Oklahoma State when he used to throw bombs to James Washington. You remember James Washington, who we always – Thought he'd go off with Mason Rudolph because of the shower narrative, and he never yeah, did. they were the original the original shower narrative. They were actually like boys. They were like friends and everything. That that yeah. one made sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because I mean, they were they were hitting downfield plays. Mason Rudolph is like kind of kind of a good athlete, not not like a, a plus yardage scrambler, but I mean, he can move around and create some space for himself and throw balls down the football field. And George Pickens went and got him. George Pickens is an extremely talented player. He went for over 800 yards as a rookie last year. He's over 1,000 this year. Chidobi Awuzie could just not run with George Pickens. And I, I also thought it was – like there's like love for Mason Rudolph in the locker room. There, there was definitely love in the, the, the stands because they were, che- they were cheering, Mason Rudolph. And then, I don't know, the way that Alex Highsmith like talked about Mason Rudolph – because Mason Rudolph has gone through some sh- – S-H-I-T. And I, I wrote him up like he was an absolute bum in, in my in my matchups for Bengals, Steelers. And, you know, it, it is what it is. But, I mean, he's gone through some really tough times. He was on the practice squad, you know, after being like their starter for a while. The, the whole thing with Josina Anderson and and uh, and Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I thought it was kind of a, a cool story, even though I, I look like an idiot for my for my write up. He made me look like an absolute idiot, but I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, Steelers are still alive for the playoffs, but it's very thin, and they have two tough spots at Seattle, at Baltimore. 
to end it. I don't think the Steelers are going to make the playoffs, but they're at least still alive. Not alive is the Tennessee Titans. Last team we're going to do here today. Meaningless game. Ryan Tannehill returns to the saddle. Did not unlock DeAndre Hopkins. Did not unlock Traylon Burks. Chig was fine. Just from a long-term perspective with the season dead, Taji Spears is showing like real pass catching ability out of the backfield. I mean, he hasn't played a ton this year and he has 45 catches on the season and he's shown juice in the run game, 4.7 yards per carry. Derek Henry already said he doesn't really expect to be back next year. Tajay Spears, I don't, we'll see what they do at offense, uh, at quarterback and everything, but Tajay Spears is going to be someone we're going to be talking a lot, a lot this offseason. Evan, what do you think of Titans loss to the Seahawks? Yeah, I think that Tajay Spears has been one of the few bright spots for the Titans this year. And I also think that Chig Okonkwo has been a bright spot for them over the last four or five weeks. He had his best game of the season here, six for 63 and a touchdown. The touchdown came via Derrick Henry. And, you know, I I, I hate to, to remind you, but it is Dehember, despite your best efforts to pretend that it is not. Uh, Derrick Henry... <laughs> A rushing touchdown, a receiving a pass, a 12-yard pass to Chig for a score, 20 touches, 99 yards. He he's still got a little bit left in the tank. Uh, I think he's actually had a decent year uh, or a good year, actually, yeah, yeah. Derrick Henry. And like we talked about last week, like Cowboys could have used Derrick Henry this year, you know, and they could probably use him next year uh, as well. All right. That is going to do it for the Week 17 team-by-team preview. Huge, huge good luck to everyone in their fantasy championship games coming up this weekend. We'll be back Friday night for subscribers to talk about the DFS slate for Evan, for producer Ryan, for producer Luke. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm -hmm.